Hey there, and welcome back to Holistic Health Masterclass with me, your host, Brad Hawes. If you are up here in the northern latitudes, I hope you're having a great summer. And uh, for those of you who are tuning in from down south, hopefully winter is treating you kindly and you're staying nice and warm. Um, no major announcements or anything today, so we're just going to really hop right into today's show. Uh, today's show, I have Jerry Angelini uh, from Host Defense Mushrooms uh, joining me on the show. And, uh, you know, I've been trying to connect with Jerry for quite some time. Um, medicinal mushrooms is a sort of passion we both share. And uh, as you'll find out on today's show, Host Defense has really taken uh, medicinal mushrooms to a whole new level. And uh, for those of you who are not familiar with Host Defense as a company, uh, you might be familiar with Paul Stamets, who is the uh, founder, owner, and uh, of course the operator of that company. And um, today's show really, you know, for some of you, if you've never heard about medicinal mushrooms or maybe you scratched the surface, uh, today is really a deep dive. And we do get into some things that are perhaps a little bit more technical, but also really dispel uh, some myths. So um, Jerry himself has over 30 years of experience as an integrative practitioner. And I think you'll see that in our discussion where we start getting into things like herbalism, uh, drawing on a bit of Ayurveda, uh, some psychotherapy and some other stuff, you know, just sort of like, you know, obviously we're spending a lot of time on the, a bit more of the science and the pharmacological properties. Um, but, you know, in terms of uh, philosophy, um, you know, a, a big thing of what we discuss. So what we sort of get into in today's show is really talking about medicinal mushrooms from a historical perspective. Uh, we obviously look at uh, its use in traditional Chinese medicine and so on, and then really move right forward into uh, you know, dispelling some of the myths, if you will, you know, so getting into things like the immune system and the immune modulating uh, properties of mushrooms. Uh, we also talk about and spend a good chunk of time on this, actually, is talking about beta-glucans and um, the sort of, you know, obsession, if you will, in both the supplement industry and in the health world with beta-glucans and why that's not the be-all and end-all when it comes to mushrooms and how, just like whole foods, you know, there's so many micronutrients and synergistic nutrients and properties of whole foods. And the same holds true for mushrooms. And, and so, you know, when you start looking at it like that, um, another thing that we spend a good chunk of time on is, is extraction methods. And I know a lot of you listening out there, you know, you might be obsessed with chaga, you might be boiling chaga as a tea and drinking that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what you're going to learn by the end of this episode is that different mushrooms lend themselves to different types of extraction and different properties, uh, you know, outside of beta-glucans and polysaccharides uh, also lend themselves much better to different forms of extraction. And that's really something that host defense, I feel, has mastered in terms of medicinal mushrooms, where some of them have actually gone through a triple extraction uh, to really give you the most concentrated, but also the most broad spectrum in terms of uh, nutrient profile, if you will. Uh, we talk a lot about organics and how um, you know mushrooms are sort of hyper concentrators, if you will, uh, for toxins in the environment. And uh, I, th I think for those of you who are doing wild crafting or perhaps growing mushrooms at home, uh, you might want to pay a bit of attention to what we're talking about there. And uh, you know, I guess for the about the second 
or the last third, maybe even the second half of um, of the podcast, we actually talk about some of the sort of big mushrooms out there. So your chaga, your reishi, um, and so on. Lion's mane is another one. And uh, yeah, so if you're actually looking to sort of start using medicinal mushrooms, uh, definitely stay with us till the end of the episode. And you'll start learning about how these medicinal mushrooms are not just good for the immune system they're good for the immune system and then also brain cardiovascular system blood sugar stress and so on and so on so hopefully by the end of today you will have a much better understanding of medicinal mushrooms and how to use them and uh, i strongly support host defense for many reasons Uh, they are doing amazing things in the environment in the world of the environment in helping with uh, colony collapse disorders so from the bees um, and so many other things. But also, I do consider host defense mushrooms to be the highest quality in the world. And uh, that's exactly why I am an educator for them. So I actually do a lot of education uh, publicly. And uh, of course, Jerry is the sort of point person for host defense who uh, leads a lot of their R&D um, sort of you know science formulations and so on and so on. So uh, I will just apologize before we hop into this. The audio is a little bit shoddy, particularly on my end, and that's uh, because I was doing it remote. So this was a full um, renegade episode, if you will, uh, where we were both dialing in from our phones. So it's really a recorded phone conversation, and um, I do apologize for the audio quality in advance. So uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Without further ado, I bring you Jerry Angelini from Host Defense. Hey, Jerry. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brett. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries. I mean, we've gone back and forth. We've had some schedule clashes. We've canceled a couple of uh, a couple of episodes. Uh, so it's good to actually finally get on the phone with you. And um, you guys listening out there, we are doing this 100% renegade. We're fully remote. Uh, if you hear people screaming, perhaps, or cars driving by or something... Um, that's me uh, on the road. But I really wanted to connect with you, Jerry, because the work that you are doing with Host Defense um, and Host Defense themselves as a company, uh, you know, we're going to talk everything to do with medicinal mushrooms today. And um, what, if you can just give us a bit of an intro to yourself, like what exactly do you do with Host Defense? Uh, I am the education director and part of the formulation team for host defense. So uh, basically that means that if someone needs to learn about host defense, uh, mushrooms, uh, our product line, the things that we're doing out in the world, I can provide them with very basic all the way up to highly technical information. Um, I train consumers, I train retailers, uh, professional staff, medical staff, uh, and um, we do this in a number of different venues from, you know, phone consultations all the way Mm -hmm. up to day-long trainings that we've done with um, uh, various groups. Right on. So how, how, yeah. how did you, I mean, you also have your own, your own website and your own thing going on. How did you find your way into the world of medicinal mushrooms? I mean, what, what's, your, what's your background? Uh, I have a master's of science in rehabilitation medicine from Boston University. Uh, I'm licensed as a, a 
as a psychotherapist and uh, integrative healthcare practitioner in Massachusetts and uh, have had a private practice for, gosh, going on 30 years now. So, Whoa. okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so in that time, like way back 30 years ago, there was no such thing as, they called it alternative medicine back then. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and when patients, like when they hit the wall with their primary care physician, you know, their docs back then, their doctors just kind of, you know, they kind of raised their hands and they were like, well, we can't help you anymore. And that's, the kind of people that were eventually that found their way through my doors. And so I was working with their doctors at the time um, and we would address diet and we would address um, herbs and we would look at physical and, um, and the own internal process and the barriers that would keep people from uh, being in a state of wellness. Mm-hmm. So it was very holistic, very, we would do anything. Like we would try anything as long as, you know, we took very cautious steps in those directions um, and people started getting better. And then the doctors started referring more and more people to me because they were feeling better. And, and that's basically what my practice was for probably about 20 years. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, six years ago, I was taking a sabbatical. I was in California uh, doing some uh, postgraduate work on uh, Chinese uh, um, herbal practices. And okay. uh, yeah, so I was doing the TCM herbal approach to things. I was like really diving into that and uh, working with a couple of amazing teachers, Michael and Leslie Tiara, and uh, taking some courses with some acupuncture schools. And uh, I got recruited by Host Defense, which was really amazing. quite interesting. And yeah. yeah, I've been with them ever since. Yeah. So, yeah, so a little bit of an unusual way in terms of getting in with them. But now, I mean, six years on, and I've actually read a lot of the stuff that you sort of published and um, I've listened to some of your webinars and trainings as well. And so I've, mm-hmm. you know, that's exactly why I wanted to get you on the podcast uh, to really dial into medicinal mushrooms because I think that there's, they've become very, very popular um, recently, especially certain types like lion's mane and chaga. Um, but I think that there's still a lot of sort of um, misunderstandings and misperceptions uh, that, that, that are going on, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, oh, yeah. you're, you're probably the guy that knows this more than I would, um, which is why we're here. So, but I mean, let's sort of wind it back. You know, when people think of mushrooms, there's two things that come to my mind. One is magic mushrooms or the sort of psychedelic um, hallucinogenic side of things. And then the other thing mm-hmm. is obviously your, you know, the sort of big names, like maybe your maitake or your shiitake or reishi and people usually associate that with the immune system. And that's sort of where I think most people stop as far as, as I've seen. Um, but maybe give us a bit of history. You know, when, where did mushrooms originate from? Like, how long have people been using these? Uh, well, if you go back from an archaeological perspective, um, around 7,000 years ago, there are some cave 
paintings in Tassili, the Tassili Caves. I think it's in Algeria. Um, uh, and those predate anything that we have from uh, uh, like a cultural perspective. Uh, but yeah, mushrooms have been within the uh, the cultural experience of just about every group of peoples for thousands of years. Uh, they've been used as food sources. They've been used as uh, wellness supports. They've been used as um, you know fire starters and fire carriers mm. and even clothing. So. Um, because some, some of the mushrooms you can actually delaminate, so you can cook, you can soak in water and they become more of like a felt that you can turn into like hats and gloves that are very, very warm. Uh, so especially Whoa, crazy. in alpine areas. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I had, cool. I had no, I had no idea. Yeah. So, um, so many uses, which is fantastic, but I also read somewhere that, we share a lot of our DNA with fungi. Is that right? So it's relative, right? So we share a lot of DNA with um, primates. And as we get further down that, uh, down that tree, we share less and less. Um, we share up to about 50% of the same genetic material uh, with fungi where with plants, we share about 30, 33% of the same genetic material. So wow. in, uh, relatively speaking, um, the fungi are the closest kingdom to humans. And uh, that it's, it's interesting for sure. It just actually shows you that fungi in their own kingdom, uh, they're really fairly closely related to the animal kingdom. Yeah, which I think I, when I first read that, I was like, holy smokes, I had no idea. And it was almost a little bit hard yeah. to wrap my head around, you know. Um, yeah. But I think that that's also a testament to why people have always been drawn to them, to the sort of long history and, of course, also the widespread history um, of, of use. Now, as far as mm. I know, um, mushrooms, you know, in terms of medicinal properties or, or medicinal use, um, are they, have they been used more in Chinese medicine? Is that sort of where things have come from or is it across the board? It's pretty ubiquitous. I think the traditional Chinese uh, um, ethnobotanical and ethnomycological uses has been the most, what we would call codified. It's the most, um, I would say, written uh, we find it in traditional uses all through Northern Europe, uh, the Russian, the steppes, and uh, we see it through the, you know, the, the United States uh, and the Northern continent. But we see it also in Southern continents too. Uh, like Tremetius versicolor turkey tail is found on every continent. So, huh. um, you know, and also some of the reishis, the Ganoderma species, um, there are a lot of sister species, you find them all over the place, literally all over the world. So, you know, mm. many of these mushrooms, they look very similar to each other. And when you start breaking them down from a biochemical perspective, they share, you know, almost identical properties. You know, there is some, there's some variation, but many of them are, have a pretty, 
like 95% overlap in terms of their biochemical constituents. Mm. Which makes total sense. I mean, it's, we find the same with in the plant world as well. And, you know, to mm. some degree, the animal world as well. But so let's, you know, let's, let's dial in. And, you know, again, when most people think of um, mushrooms, they, or medicinal mushrooms, they think of immune system. And I want to sort of just um, not necessarily dispel some myths, but really explain to people a little bit better about how mushrooms really work on the immune system. Because I still think a lot of people think that mushrooms are immune boosting and some of them are, and some of them are not right. So perhaps you can sort of get into that a little bit. Sure. So the immune system is really complicated and what we are hoping to teach people, especially over the last couple of years is that it's not like a light switch. It's not like mm. something you just flick on and flick off. The immune system is more like a symphony orchestra, right? Lots of different instruments, lots of uh, numbers of, you know, so you have like five or six or 10 violins and, you know, it's not just one violin and one oboe. You've got numbers mm -hmm. of these different instruments. And so if they're all kind of playing at the same time without anyone organizing them, it's very disorganized and chaotic and not at all beautiful. But when you have a conductor that knows what they're doing, that symphony can make some of the most amazing music. And this is how we want people to think about mushrooms. The whole mushroom, appropriately extracted, is going to function like a conductor for the symphony of your immune response. And this is a new paradigm, right? Because most people are like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, we're just going to take something to boost our immune response. And this is not the case with mushrooms. Now, if you only do a hot water extract of the adult fruiting body, you're only going to get basically one response because hot water extraction, what it does is it primarily um, identifies polysaccharides that are found within the mushroom and then it concentrates them and it removes all the other compounds that are associated with mushrooms that are extracted with different solvents. Mm. So... Yeah, so I, you know, I, I, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I want people to think about this like, you know, if you have water and you put oil in the water, they separate, right? Because they don't dissolve. But if you mm -hmm. take a tablespoon of sugar and put it in water, it dissolves, right? Mm -hmm. So different things have different solvents in them. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, you know, just to sort of circle back a little bit, um, that great, great summary. And I've always said, you know, with, especially with immune boosting, sometimes it's good to boost the immune system. Sometimes it is legitimately underactive and you want to do that, but there's many instances where you don't necessarily want to boost the immune system because the immune system might already be in an overactive or hyperreactive state um, as in autoimmunity, for example. And, and, you know, sometimes boosting in that instance might actually make the condition worse. But um, I love the way that you, the analogy of the symphony, because I think it really, you know, for myself as a functional medicine practitioner, you know, there's lots of fancy labs now where we can actually see um, by running lab tests exactly what the immune system is doing in that moment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. we could then maybe really get nice and niche and, and whatnot and fancy. But 
for 95% of people out there, we don't have the luxury of knowing that. And so I've always looked at mushrooms as being more of an immune system modulator or, or balancer in that sense, and then also a toner, right? Um, is that a fair sort of description? Yeah, you could you can describe them like that for sure. You know, the the term modulation is like the new term, you know, and and it's a great term as long as you know what it means. Uh, another way you can describe this is the Goldilocks zone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I like to have people consider their immune system as functioning within the Goldilocks zone, right? It can't be too hot and it can't be too cold. It's got to be just right. And right. so if you make it too active, it can, like you were saying, come forward in things like reactions to, you know, environmental triggers, like maybe animal dander, dust mites, or pollen, or it could attack our own tissues. But if we suppress it, then it's not going to be strong enough to help us manage our microbiome and some of the pathogens that might be in and on our bodies. Or it might not be strong enough to identify cells that have mutated and need to be destroyed and cleaned out. So this is why that immune system needs to be in the Goldilocks zone, right? It's got to yeah, work, yeah. but it can't overwork. Yeah, 100%. And, and I also, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer of if you drive something like the immune system at 100% all the time, you, you risk burning out more and you also have no headroom so that if you know there is some sort of pathogen or something like that that is you know extremely aggressive, you can't go to 150 percent. You you are already functioning at maximum capacity, mm-hmm. and that could also yeah. be potentially um, dangerous. You know, this is why I say to people taking immune boosters all winter long. I just think it's is not a good practice. Um, it, it's not. Right. Yeah, you know, but something else you said, which I think is is important for people to sort of um, understand here. You know, you mentioned that we focus a lot on the polysaccharides, and of course, the sort of um, the poster child for polysaccharides in the mushroom world would really be beta glucans. And I think a lot of people, when they go to the stores and they're shopping around for mushrooms, they're looking at what's the beta glucan content. That's what I really want, but you know. Perhaps you can share with us, there's many, many more compounds that are naturally occurring in mushrooms, and these have other medicinal effects, and of course, they lend themselves to different types of extraction. So perhaps you can sort of unpack that a little bit for us. All right, yeah, this is, let's buckle up, right? Because (laughs) we're going to go for a ride here. All right, so we, we, um, science is always progressing. And what we like to do is stay on top of the most recent research and do comparative analyses of research. And what we have found is some of the most uh, recent research on beta-glucans is that these are polysaccharides, and they're very specific. And polysaccharides fall into one of three um, macronutrient content. So you have proteins, you have carbohydrates, and you have fats. And polysaccharides are a type of carbohydrate, but we don't digest them and turn them into sugar. So they're non-digestible carbohydrates. That so sort of like, sort of like a fiber, right? Exactly. So you have soluble and insoluble fiber, right. and you have digestible and indigestible carbohydrates. 
So basically, these don't make sugars. So you're not going to gain weight from them. They're not caloric. But what they Mm -hmm. do is they interface with the immune cells in our intestinal tract. And Mm. when they do that, they trigger an immune response. And it's really interesting because it's actually like trickster or coyote medicine because they mimic pathogen cell walls. And so your body thinks that there are pathogens there, but they're not pathogens because they're mushroom polysaccharides, right? Interesting. Okay. Well, it gets even more interesting because as we dive into and kind of take apart the polysaccharide, these beta-glucans, a really recent article that came out, I think it was either 2015 or 2016, found that there's actually a fat, like a lipid aspect to the beta-glucan. So there's a fat aspect to it as well. So it's not just a polysaccharide. It also has a fat aspect. And when they tested those two aspects, the polysaccharide aspect only had about a 20% activity, whereas the fat aspect had an 80% activity. So it's not even the polysaccharide that's doing the work. It's the huh. lipid that's doing the work. So for people that can, can grasp this conceptually, this makes sense because if it's mimicking a cell wall of a pathogen, cell walls are made up of a phospholipid bilayer. They're made up of predominantly these very specific types of fats. Right. So it makes sense when you dial in, but now it it makes us go back and say, well, is it really the beta-glucan that's doing the work? Is it the polysaccharide that's actually triggering the immune response, or is it some other aspect of this molecule? And that gets really heady. Yeah, yeah. These polysaccharides, so we kind of like come back into something that's a little bit more graspable. Polysaccharides are just one aspect of the many different types of compounds that you find. So there's a lot of micronutrients, like there's a lot of vitamins and minerals in mushrooms too, like there's zinc and calcium and magnesium. But then there's also these other compounds that are called triterpenes or terpenoid compounds. And these... Uh, trigger that modulation function within our immune response. They actually trigger the the self-check that our immune system has to make sure it doesn't uh, get overreactive like a runaway train, right? So you've got these triterpene compounds. You've got other compounds as well. They're called sterols and lipids. So sterols are things like cholesterol. So sterol, Mm -hmm. cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And cholesterol is a really important substance. Like all of our cell membranes have cholesterol in them. All of our hormones are based on cholesterol. And so what we want is we want these really healthy, um, like the fungal sources of sterols, they actually convert into something called 25-hydroxy vitamin D, which is the active form of vitamin D. Really, really important substance for overall health and wellness, like just everything, actually. And and that's really interesting because um, I was always taught that the ergosterol um, was converted into vitamin D2 in the body. 
And so, so what I'm hearing is that's not really the case. It is actually more of a vitamin D3 or the active right. form, which, which is interesting. Yeah. But just to sort of sum things up a little bit before we move on, for those of you listening out there, yeah, I, I know that it can get a little bit crazy when you start looking at all this, but really what Jerry, what we're getting at here is that when you look at whole foods, and in this case, fungal sources of whole foods, medicinal mushrooms, there's way more to whole foods than just single nutrients or micronutrients or phytonutrients or whatever you want to call them. And I think that a lot of people get wrapped up in the specifics and they forget about the whole. And so really the, the take-home message here is that there are way more other properties and compounds in medicinal mushrooms that also have a positive um, effect on our health and perhaps a little bit more of a well-rounded effect on our health uh, is, as well. So I'll let you carry on, Jerry. Uh, that was a perfect summary. Uh, and really, it is about the whole mushroom. We don't want to dial in and isolate a substance, right? And we've got drugs for that. Drugs isolate, mm -hmm. right? But when you isolate a compound, you trigger an adverse event. Like the body is like, wow, that's a lot of that substance. And now I have to clean it out of my body because I'm not supposed to have that much in there, right? And then you get these adverse events that are associated with these single molecules at high doses. Like the whole mushroom appropriately extracted, and I come, come back to that again and again, we cannot digest a raw mushroom. We don't have the enzymes needed to do that. So you've got to extract it. You've got to use hot water and you've got to use an alcohol substance. And, you know, if you're cooking, throw in some coconut oil to those portobello mushrooms or the crimini mushrooms or your shiitake, or if you're cooking lion's mane, great, you know, throw some coconut oil or some olive oil you know, cook them up, saute them until they're nice and crispy if you can, and then throw some like cooking wine in there too. Huh. And you've just made a mini lab in your own kitchen. <laughs> and this is going to provide you with a really delicious way to get these nutrients in your daily diet. And when you look at the research, there's some amazing demographic research out of the Nagano Prefecture in Japan that showed that the daily consumption of mushrooms had a profound impact on longevity and health and wellness, like a profound, like a 33% increase in longevity wow. and health and wellness. And, and so, 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 the, so these are people that are just yeah. eating mushrooms on a regular basis, right? Like as part of their diet? Every single day. Yeah, they took a, I think it was a, it was a demographic uh, research project on the whole Nagano prefecture. And they found that the Inokitaki farmers uh, had a 33% um, like their the longer, longer lifespan was, yeah. yeah. And the reduction of all kinds of different issues that are health related. And it was really just focused in on just the amount of mushrooms they ate every day. Cause it's the same you know, genetic group of people, they're all eating the same basic diets and they all have, you know, their cultured foods and they all have their green tea and, you know, that's the same water, it's the same environment. Um, and really the only thing that was different was the amount of mushrooms they were eating. 
So like eat your mushrooms every single day. Use a, a, a really high quality mushroom supplement every single day to support your immune response in a balanced way and support longevity. So, so one thing I wanted to ask you as well, you know, because I've heard in some of your other trainings and, and talks and that the importance of um, organic mushrooms and why that's so mm. important. And then maybe we could also tie into that to, to this um, talking a little bit about wildcrafting and that sort of thing. Cause I'm, I do know lots of people yeah. that just sort of walk out into the forest, you know, on the outskirts of the city and grab mushrooms and then take them home and eat them. Right. So, so why is yeah. it important to go with organic mushrooms? So mushrooms hyperconcentrate whatever is in the soil or the tree that they're growing in. So if you are, especially on the Eastern coast of the, of the uh, North American continent, um, all of our waterfall comes from the West. So anything that goes up must come down and anything that's going up in like say sprays or pesticides or yeah. fungicides or industrial wastes, uh, anything that's spewed out of a smokestack, anything water wise, you know, you've got to actually be careful about what are called underground plumes Mm -hmm. um, that carry environmental toxins, uh, you know, and you may think that, yeah, I'm way out there in the woods, but the reality is, is they have found pesticide residue in Antarctica. So we right. have polluted the planet. Like we really mm -hmm. have. Mm -hmm. So mushrooms are amazing in that they clean up the environment. They actually hyper-concentrate them. So they take them out of the environment. They're kind of like sponges, really. And, uh, the problem is, is that if you eat them, then <laughs> you're going right. to get a concentration of whatever it is, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, growing and then testing the mushroom. So not easy to do if you're just a regular person who's going out there wild harvesting. If you wild harvest some mushrooms, you know, chances are if you do it once in a while, it's not a problem. Like we have people at host defense that go out and they wild harvest some of their own mushrooms here and there. Most of us just grow the mushrooms at, you know, we're eating the mushrooms that we grow at host defense, you know? Right. And those we're very careful of in terms of um, our growth substrate, what we grow our mushrooms on. And it's very clean. Yeah. Well, and, and, that, and so that's, that's something that's important. Yeah. And, and I think um, there's a couple of points that I want to tie in here. One is I know that host defense are actually, you know, outside of making medicinal mushrooms for, for human consumption, you guys are also actually pioneering technology called micro remediation where, you know, case in point, we just discussed that you're actually figuring out ways to use mushrooms to detoxify the, the soil and the environment, right? Yeah, so we like to call it the mycelial response because the mycelia, the root structure of the mushroom, right? And so we like to say we're trying to find the mycelial response for all of the damage that humans are causing mm. to the planet and to the, our sister species, you know? Mm. And there's a lot of amazing things that the mushroom mycelia can do in the environment, right? They, they are they stabilize and they create carbon within the soil. They break down, um, you know, 
any kind of cellulose material, so any plant material, organic animal material. You know, we have fungals that break those things down too, and they re- they create topsoil. So, right, you know, right. really important parts of our of our ecosystem. Yeah, and so. Um so, so coming back to this whole organic side of things, and this is just really a question from me, and I have no idea what the answer would be. But, you know, when you talk about growing organic mushrooms, I know that Host Defense does it a very different way, where you guys are actually really, um, you know, getting things wild harvested and then growing them out a few times in a controlled environment and then testing to make sure that there's no pesticides and whatnot. But when I first learned that, I, the, my immediate question was, what happens if I'm growing mushrooms outside in an organic, in, on, let's say on an organic farm, and I'm not necessarily spraying pesticides or anything like that, but would there be a, a risk of contamination just because they have such an affinity for toxins? You know, it really, it depends on your specific locale, what the weather patterns are like, what's, you know, upstream, so, you know, so to say Mm -hmm. from you, uh, and, um, you know, any other environmental factors, like if you're right next to a roadway, remember all of those, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) all the issues that are associated with road pollution are going to, you know, factor in heavily. So yeah. it really, you've got to think, you've got to think of where do I live? Where am I looking for these mushrooms? What are some upstream consequences that are associated with where I'm looking? And then go from there. And for some people, it's relatively minor. Like, right, you know, right, you know, right. if you would attest them, it would be at like parts per billion or parts per million. And that's really a very small amount, right. you know? And so, like occasional consumption of that is not a problem, but well, as you said, people, I mean, like, <laughs> no, I, I was just going to say, I mean, as we've said, we, you know, preaching to the choir here, like we have polluted our environment to that end. So yeah. trying to go any, grow anything that's, you know, squeaky, squeaky clean out in yeah. outdoors. Yeah. It's obviously going to be hard, but you know, it reminds me of um, quite near my house. We have, we have a, a spring. It's a natural spring that comes up and there's always cars mm-hmm. parked there and they're just lined up to get water. But right around where we live, we've got farms and we've got golf courses. And so I sort of go, right. oh. you know, like I, I get that it's spring water. I totally understand that. But um, I bet you, if you tested it, there'd be a whole bunch of stuff in there that you don't want. And but but because oh, it's because are notorious. That's what I mean, right? So just because it's quote unquote spring water, people go, oh wow, this is yeah. great. I'm gonna go and get my spring water. And it's like, well, yeah. you know. And and so when I think of growing organic mushrooms, you know, I, I, the vision I get in my head is my farm is next to a golf course, or my farm is next to 2,000 acres of genetically modified corn. Um, getting oh, sprayed yeah, with Roundup, really? and then you know, great. My my farm is organic, but you know, with and and the only reason why I say that is really because we're talking about mushrooms specifically that have this you know ability to hyper concentrate things uh, is is really it. Yeah, um, yeah. But but let's move the conversation on because uh, I want to get into you know we've spoken about the immune system a great deal, but the different types of mushrooms actually work on multiple different body systems, right? And so uh, things like regulating blood sugar, um, brain and nervous system, cardiovascular system. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. perhaps you can sort of share a little bit um, about that as well. Because when I first learned that, I really took a step back and went, wow, 
there's so much more yeah. than just immune system. And I think that most people are still in the dark when it comes to that. Right. Yeah. So let's start off with the big one. Like everyone is talking about lion's mane because of its impact on neurological functioning. And the research is preliminary, but very promising. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are a couple of human clinical trials on cognitive functioning in an elderly. So, uh, you know, using like uh, like having a daily intake of lion's mane has been shown in this human, in this one particular human clinical trial to increase, you know, the basic, uh, the basic markers associated with cognitive functioning, like decision making, activities of daily living, inter, you know, socializing and interactions, uh, basic remembering of things. It's been shown to be very helpful. Um, we always want to replicate those and increase the, you know, the, the number of participants in those kinds of uh, research projects. But um, like I said, preliminary data is very promising, showing a really nice benefit for everything from you know, basic cognitive functioning and activities of daily living to memory. Uh, and, there's and, another and- one. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I just wanted to say as well, you know, about nerve growth factor, because, you know, when, when you talk about these preliminary studies and everything's exciting, I think it's very exciting for the simple fact that when you start getting into um, brain and neurological health and nervous system health, currently medicine has no way to really regenerate anything and to, to help either stabilize and prevent deterioration for certain diseases or to actually reverse and restore um, function to to brain and nervous systems. So, you know, we know that your body is made up of nutrients and whatnot, and so they're not made up of drugs. Mm -hmm. And so what I Mm -hmm. found interesting was lion's mane's potential um, for certain brain and neurological uh, disorders. That that, that was the thing that sort of stood out for me. Um, But... Yeah, I, I mean, and I think the word potential really describes it the best. There's, mm-hmm. um, there may be some clinical, like anecdotal data, but we don't have any research data specifically on those, um, like neurodegenerative diseases. And that's yeah. something we always want to make really clear to people that, you know, because of the preliminary research and some of the, what we like to call mechanism of action studies that show that lion's mane, uh, there are certain compounds called uh, erinacines and even hericinones. And these are two specific types of compounds found in the root and the fruit body. So the mycelia and the root body and the fruit body of the, of lion's mane help our body release nerve growth factors Right. That we create. So it doesn't have, the lion's mane doesn't have nerve growth factors, but these erinacines and hericinones trigger our body's production of nerve growth factor. And that happens both in the central nervous system, which is the brain and the spinal cord, which is very interesting because that means these molecules have to be very, very small to um, move through the very special Mm -hmm. protective filter filter system uh, that protects our brain and our spinal cord. Um, And it also impacts our peripheral nervous system. Like, so the fingers and toes kinds of thing. Uh, Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah, really cool. 
Re- really cool, really cool stuff. Um, and you know, so so what else have we got uh, aside from brain and nervous system? Um, I did want to also touch base on mood with lion's mane because there's okay. a nice human clinical trial on mood, and this is really important because. Many people, you know, their mood fluctuates or, you know, they have some anxiety or some depression and, uh, you know, they're, they're looking for ways to help feel more stable in their day-to-day world. And what we've actually found with lion's mane is it helps stabilize mood. So it doesn't like... It's not identified as an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety medication. It's really more like a basic, it just helps you feel more stable <laughs> so it kind of yeah, brings you into the center exactly yeah exactly interesting really important yeah mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. aside from lion's mane the reishi is a big mushroom uh in traditional chinese medicine uh very revered and it's called a tonic uh, and tonics basically they help the whole body a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit over there with the overall experience of feeling better just overall. So it's not like a lightning bolt that comes in and shazam, you know, Mm -hmm. it's more like this a little bit gentle here, a gentle support here, a gentle support there with you just feeling in general much better. But more, more, more broad in its action, right? Yeah, so it impacts and helps balance cardiovascular health, especially with blood lipids like low-density lipoproteins and triglycerides. Um, It helps uh, with a little bit of kidney functioning as an antioxidant within those kidney tubules so that they can filter a little bit better. It helps liver function. It's protective of those liver cells, especially if you're exposed to toxic compounds. And this includes alcohol. So, you know, alcohol is (laughs) technically a toxin. And, you know, reishi has actually been shown to protect your liver cells and your brain cells, in fact, uh, when exposed to alcohol. (laughs) This is amazing. So reishi before night out or reishi after or both, you're you're good to go. Yes, before and after, yeah. (laughs) Um, It supports um, digestive cells. So in the intestinal tract, there are cells called epithelial cells, and these are where absorption happens. And reishi has been shown to help... uh, protect and support their regeneration. Mm. Uh, gosh, what else? I mean, reishi is like all over the place in terms of its activity. Yeah, uh, just yeah. Very, very important. Oh, don't, don't they, call it the, they, they call it the mushroom of immortality or something like that? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, the mushroom of immortality. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Um, oh, probably one of the strongest modulators of the immune response. So when you really need to rein that immune system in, if you have a lot of overreactivity, yeah. uh, the reishi mushroom is really the, one of the strongest modulators of that immune response. So um, cool. it's going to help shore it up, make sure it's a f- functioning strongly but within normal limits so it's our goldilocks zone mushroom for sure right right um so so one of the other big ones that i wanted to focus on as well um was turkey tail because uh some of the stuff that i've been reading about turkey tail because it's really it's really pointed at the immune system right if i'm not mistaken 
Um, but some of the stuff yeah. that I've been reading is very interesting. So perhaps you can share uh, about Turkey Tail. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> turkey Tail as a mushroom has a really high polysaccharide content to it. And uh, when we take a look at most of the research on turkey tail, it really has been studied for its immune supportive activity. Um, and, and we, in fact, at Host Defense have studied our turkey tail, and it was found in a human clinical trial to support natural killer cells, which are part of your innate immune system. And natural killer cells, they go around your body and they look for rogue mutations, and then they identify them and destroy them. And this particular human clinical trial found uh, the host defense turkey tail to be very supportive of the immune system for women who had underwent surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation therapy. And one of the reasons this is so important is typically radiation therapy and sometimes chemotherapy can really like do a number on your immune system and basically knock it out of the picture for a good like two to six months. And mm. the, the study showed that in two weeks, the host defense turkey tail brought those natural killer cells back wow. online and wow. functioning at pre-intervention level. So wow. really, so, really so, important. So was this taking the turkey tail during treatment or after? Uh, it was after the completion after, of the okay. surgery, chemo, and radiation therapy. Wow. That's, so, that's, that's yeah. incredible. I mean, two weeks. Two weeks is just unheard of. Um, I don't know of anything yeah. else that would actually do that. So, um, yeah. so what else? What, what, what are the other... Uh, let's talk about chaga because ch chaga is just, just wildly, yeah. wildly popular. Wildly popular. Um, yeah. So, yeah, go for it. Yeah, chaga has an affinity for epithelial tissue, and we find epithelial tissue in the intestinal tract, so from your mouth all the way down to the end. Um, in your lung tissue, your lung tissue is also epithelial, and your skin is epithelial. And so these tend to have highly reactive responses to environmental triggers, right? So People go out, you know, it's springtime, they take a nice deep breath and then they start to sneeze and cough and they start to wheeze, mm -hmm. right? Or they eat a food that they react to and then they have this inflammatory response and then they have some, some problems with their intestinal tract or maybe they're just one of these people that has like reactive skin. And what chaga does is it helps balance the immune response in epithelial tissue. So skin, lungs, and intestinal tract. But you've got to do a multiple extraction of it. You can't just go out, you know, hack off a chunk of chaga, <laughs> throw it in some water, and think it's going to do it for you. Yeah. Well, okay. and I see, that, I see that a lot, right? So the farmer's markets and, you know, right. like, yeah, farmer's markets and hippies, um, you know, making, making chaga teas and stuff. And, you know, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure that there are absolutely some medicinal benefits. But if you really want to yeah. get the, the full strength, um, you know, doing so multiple extraction, what, how, do you, how do you guys extract the chaga? Um, we uh, do... Uh, so we're growing our chaga on rice. So it's sustainably cultivated. It's organic. And we do uh, an extraction of 
the chaga root structure. And there seem to be these very small, tiny, um, uh, uh, the conch itself. So the okay. piece that people are harvesting isn't the fruit body. We call that a conch. It's a sterile conch. It's not the fruit body. Um, and what we, what we're doing is we take that, we do a water room temperature extraction on this because the mycelia has a whole set of enzymes and culture metabolites. So those enzymes digest the rice and they change a lot of those starches into immunologically active compounds or polysaccharides. And we capture those and then we're doing an alcohol extract as well. And this actually provides us with many of the compounds that modulate the immune response. So they actually help keep that immune system functioning in the Goldilocks zone so they don't overreact. Mm -hmm. And this is really important, right? Again, we're talking about modulation here, right? We're not talking about stimulation. Um, and this works very, very well, especially in that liquid extract that we make. Um, we also have a capsule, which is, uh, it's done very differently. Um, they're freeze-dried, they're powdered, they're heat-treated uh, so that you have access to all of those compounds, uh, the polysaccharides and some of those triterpenoid compounds and some of the sterols and lipids as well. Uh, right. And really what we're going for with this is antioxidant and modulation of the immune response. So, mm -hmm. yes. And, and so, um, something that's powerful. And something that's interesting, um, you know, you, you just mentioned it, but I, I think it bears uh, a little bit of discussion. Um, I know we're, we're kind of running out of time, but, uh, you know, I found it really, really interesting. You know, when you mushrooms grow in the wild, they're typically growing on trees, if I'm not mistaken, you know, on dead mm -hmm. logs or, right. or trees and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, but you guys are growing it on rice, and there's been some very interesting yeah. studies done on, on the rice. Obviously, you're growing it on rice so that, you know, we can eat rice. We can't really eat bark. Um, last time I right. checked, some bark you can, but, you know, story for another day. Um, so, right. so, so you guys are using rice, which is obviously hypoallergenic. Humans can eat it, but the, the, mm -hmm. the mushrooms actually do something very interesting to the rice. Yeah. So people thought that that rice was um, inert, that it was like a filler. And research by an independent immunological lab actually found that the rice has been cultured, it's been fermented and mm. converted into immunologically active compounds. And this is brilliant. Like, it's like, okay, so yeah, it's cultured food. Like this is for your fermented food too. Uh, yeah. And what, what it does is that cultured rice is part of the reason why the host defense product has such powerful modulating activity. Um, that rice actually engages the immune system's uh, checks and balances so that it does not get over overreactive. And yeah. uh, just brilliant research. It's actually um, in peer review for publication. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, the information is so uh, phenomenal that the... Wow. the yeah, the lab was like, we got to go to publication with this. So. Yeah, and that, you know, so and, and that's awesome. And you know, I think that there's two two reasons. That's two two of the many reasons, but two of the reasons that really um, resonated with me 
in terms of host defense, you know, I consider host defense mushrooms and, and Paul Stamets, you know, Paul, Paul is just a brilliant mind when it comes to mushrooms. I don't know of anyone else mm-hmm. on the planet that knows as much about mushrooms as he does. But um, host defense, I firmly believe, are without a doubt the best medicinal mushroom products on the market. And I think for two yeah. reasons. One is that you are growing it on this rice medium, which, as you said, I mean, these studies are now coming out to show that the rice on its own has immunological properties. But then you're mm-hmm. also cognizant of the fact that different mushrooms have different compounds and lend themselves to different types of extractions. And, you know, you get a lot right. of people talk, you know, the, the, a lot of people will go into a health food store or, or to their practitioner and they'll simply say, has this been hot water extracted? Because that's good enough for me. And what, what I've learned through you guys is that, you know, some mushrooms, if you just do a hot water extraction, that is good good enough but other ones don't lend themselves to a hot water extraction they need alcohol they need other types of extraction and so i think that you know those two things really stand out for me with host defense yeah i would actually say that all of the mushrooms benefit from multiple extraction and it's kind of like this thing people say oh well that's how they used to do it you know 2000 years ago and my <laughs> response is do you do anything in your day-to-day life like you did 2000 years ago no like we have this beautiful technology we're finding out some really amazing things let's improve ourselves and we have that's what host defense has done we have taken the basic which is yeah mushrooms are amazing and we're going to bring it to the next step which is the whole mushroom the, the the with the cultured rice substrate together in this multiple extraction process has turned something that's amazing into really, I think, something that every single person should be taking without question, unless you're allergic to mushrooms. And right. other than that, everyone should be on it every single day. And so, so these are also, um, because you know, we could spend another hour talking about all of the different types of mushrooms and, and uh, probably yeah. bore our listeners. But so people taking mushrooms, I mean, these are medicinal mushrooms can be taken long term without uh, any negative consequences or should people well, be concerned we at all? Feel it, well, with host defense, because it has that modulating component to it, that the, you know, keeping the immune system in the Goldilocks zone. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're very confident that daily use of these mushrooms, uh, the mycelium and the fruit body and the cultured rice together is really the perfect trifecta, you know, to, yeah. uh, for daily support. And then uh, another question that comes up a lot, uh, you know, do mushrooms work fast? Do they work slow? Or perhaps it's a loaded question. Some things are going to be fast and some things are going to be slow. I, I don't know. Perhaps you can share a bit more light on that. Yeah. We actually, um, we, with the work we're doing with Natural Immune Systems, Inc., we are theorizing and theorizing because everything's going to be a little bit different, but um, about two to three hours after you take a host defense capsule, you will start to have an immune response. Um, okay. Wow. Some people with the, yeah, some people with the liquids, they feel energized or they start to feel uh, a balance within their immune system, literally within minutes. Like, so, I mean, <laughs> these can work very rapidly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess, and I guess there's some things, you know, depending on the person and depending what their, what their issues are, some things would take a little yeah. longer to sort of 
quote unquote yeah. resolve um, and so on. But yeah. um, you know, Jerry, it's been a, an enlightening uh, discussion. Um, and again, you know, you, you just know so much, and we could really probably spend another hour um, going for it. But uh, what I would, you know, the roadmap forward for host defense. Um, I know you guys are doing myco botanicals. Uh, so you're actually starting mm -hmm. to now use herbals together with mushrooms, which I find quite yeah. exciting. Um, yeah, then this has been done in, you know, traditional Chinese medicine and other, you know, like Western botanical medicine. For centuries, they've been bringing the, you know, fungal and the herbal kingdoms together. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's this exciting because I don't, I don't see too many, yeah, I don't see too many other products out there um, blending those together, which is, which is great. So, um, you know, uh, anything that you want to share with our listeners, um, you know, obviously I'll be sharing links to host defense websites. Uh, is there anything else, <laughs> any events or any promotions or anything that you would want to convey to our listeners? Uh, I would just say, you know, keep your eyes and ears open. Uh, the research is coming out literally every month. There's new research coming out into the world um, on mushrooms. It's probably some of the most exciting uh, in terms of the natural products industry with just the breadth of knowledge that we are gaining. And, you know, it's, you know, for some people, it's a little scary because you think about the psychedelics or even the poisonous mm -hmm. ones. But just remember mm -hmm. that we've taken care of that. There is no psychedelics <laughs> or poisonous mushrooms in the product, right? <laughs> well, so, some people might be upset that there's no psychedelics in it. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, here in the States, the Food and Drug Administration does not look kindly on those being in products. So, you know, no, you got to no. kind of work with them, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> All right, try Jerry. Well, find yeah. A, yeah, I was going to say try each species and see which one works best for you uh, and mm. see if you can make one an ally for your life. Yeah, totally. Well, on that note and some uh, good advice, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode. And again, for those of you, I hope you, you know, I hope you've enjoyed uh, this episode. And if you have, uh, please like, you know, share it, um, share it, comment, uh, do whatever you need to do. Uh, submit a review, subscribe, and so on. Uh, Jerry, it's been a great discussion. Thank you so much for your time today. And thanks for having me on board today, Brett. All right, anytime. And uh, you guys out there, you enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks for listening. <laughs>